The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Please turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, We are starting a brand new series this week for Advent, and it's called The Greatest Gift. Now, for those of you like me, uh, who grew up in a less liturgical background, and that, you know, so whether you weren't a part of a church, or maybe you were a part of one that was on the less traditional end of the spectrum, let's just talk about Advent for a moment, so we're at least uh, looking eye to eye. So, Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, that means coming, or arrival. So that's what we're celebrating when we talk about Advent. Uh, Advent's typically celebrated during the four weeks leading up to Christmas. I saw a lot of congregations uh, locally starting last week. Uh, I don't know if we missed something or if their calendar was just messed up, but it's typically the four weeks before Christmas. Uh, It's a time for us to point our hearts and minds towards the beautiful truth that Jesus came, uh, as was promised and foretold. He was born of the Virgin Mary by God's power in the town of Bethlehem, uh, and an angel in Matthew chapter 1 told Joseph, the man engaged to Mary, uh, who was also the adopted father of Jesus, that Jesus was born for the purpose of saving his people from their sins. So the idea uh, behind our series uh, is simple. We are reminding ourselves, and we are reconvincing ourselves, and we are rejoicing That the greatest gift ever given was God giving all mankind himself in the form of a baby born in a manger to save us from sin and the death that it brings. Jesus is the greatest gift ever given or received. It is relationship with Jesus that is the most precious prize of being saved by grace through faith. However, there are also beautiful results of our closeness to Christ that are worth acknowledging and celebrating. It's kind of like this. It's like receiving an amazing coat for Christmas. And when you first open it, you're just thankful to have this beautiful coat. Just imagine whatever coat would be beautiful to you. That's probably different uh, depending on who's thinking about it. But as you wear that coat, you realize it, it, it not only is beautiful, but it keeps you warm and it protects you from rain and Snow and it's also incredibly comfortable, and you just feel good in it. See, the coat is the big gift, but as you go along, you realize more and more just how many ways that coat is a blessing. These secondary gifts or promises that come from being in relationship with Jesus are far more numerous than we could name. And even if we tried, there are no doubt many we could not even adequately express within the limits of language. We are going to focus on a few during this Advent season. And the first is peace. So let's read God's word humbly and receive what it is he has for us today. I hope you turn to Luke 2, and we are in verse 1 together. We're going to read to verse 20. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius, that's a good name, was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. 
Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Praise God for his word. So the premise here for our series is not surprising. It's not shocking or even creative. It is simple. It's straightforward. And it's super important for us to have as a hub that the wheel of our life spins around. Okay, there is one gift that has been given that is so precious, its worth exceeds all others by a margin that cannot be measured. And that gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can't say amen to that, I'm worried about you. A couple of you got it. I don't know where the rest of you went, but that's, that's good news. And that's the truth. Now, I want to... Make sure we're humble here. I know many of you would already agree with the premise of the series, but I know I'm making a big claim, right? The greatest gift that's ever been given, like in all of human history, I mean, the Statue of Liberty was a gift, pretty big, pretty cool, right? So I want to back it up a second and to see if maybe my claims are exaggerated, okay? I went on to the Google machine uh, to see what the hottest gifts of 2018 were. Okay, so to see what I want to know is, is the spot that Jesus holds as the greatest gift ever given or received, is it perhaps in danger of being overtaken, right? I mean, it's 2018, some cool stuff happening, right? A lot of Bluetooth, a lot of drones, a lot of sweetness. So let's, let's look at this. So as I, as I did that, I just want you to know, I found so much gold that I'm going to share one of these with you every week of the Advent series because there's some really good stuff, but also... I want to really give the competition for the greatest gifts. This is, this is what the interwebs is saying. I want to give competition for the greatest gift a fair shake. If we're going to stand here and for four weeks say that Jesus is the greatest gift ever given and received, we ought to at least let someone else have a shot. Uh, I don't want to be accused of just making willy-nilly or unsubstantiated claims. So uh, the first thing that popped up in the Google 
was a list from Amazon of the hottest gifts of 2018. So I figured the world's largest online marketplace, probably a good place to go and uh, find out this information. So uh, when I opened that page, there's maybe 10 things, and I picked four that seemed to be the best. So the first one is, is a hot little number. Uh, it is the Hamilton Beach Quesadilla Maker for $14.99. The Hamilton Beach Quesadilla Maker... This is on the hottest gifts of 2018 list, according to Amazon and Google. Uh, So here's the description. Hot and ready to eat in about five minutes, makes six wedges. Nonstick surface, wipes clean. It's a plus. This one, pretty interesting. Satisfy your appetite for restaurant quality right at home. And so all the introverts said amen. They're saying, hold on, I can get this thing and get restaurant-quality quesadillas at my house and not have to deal with anybody? Take my money, right? So their marketing's on point. Satisfy your appetite for restaurant-quality right at home, okay? So that's, that's their description. That's their pitch of why this is a great gift. Um, I also looked at some of the questions and answers just to get a feel of once people had this in their home, what kind of things were they experiencing? or What, what curiosities did people have about this? So... Uh, one of the first questions I encountered was, is there a quesadilla cookbook that comes with this by any chance? <laughs> and I thought, I thought, dear brother, sister, wh- whoever you are, if, if you need a cookbook for quesadillas, maybe you should not get the Hamilton Beach quesadilla maker. Maybe you should just go to the restaurant, okay? Because quesadillas are not that complicated. What do you want in between the tortillas? And press it, right? Okay, here was one of the answers. No, it does not have an actual cookbook with it, but the user manual has several recipes. So there's a lot of helpful people on there trying to answer. So it it gets better. That was was maybe the most logical one. So question number two. I'm not adding anything to this. This is verbatim. Um, how do you use it? Okay, answer one. You buy tortillas, (laughs) put one on the bottom, add ingredients, put a second tortilla on the top, place the quesadilla in the maker, and close the lid. This is is a helpful Amazon user right here. Answer number two, it comes with instructions. Very easy. (laughs) Okay. I couldn't tell if that was a troll or someone just like me about just losing their confidence in humanity by the question. How do you use the quesadilla press? Okay. This one was the best for me. The last one. I realize this is kind of silly, but this, this had to be said. This is a question verbatim. What is the exact diameter of the innermost ring that seals the cheese? I'm like, are you using this thing to try to cast metal parts for the space station? What, what, do you, what is that question? What is the exact circumference or diameter? I'm like, oh my goodness. And the best, the best part. Here was, here was the one answer. This is Martha from Texas. Sorry, I don't know. I gave this as a gift. Martha, what are you doing on here at all? You got nothing to add to the conversation. You sweet, dear soul. Just no. 
Now, now somebody's server has to take up space to keep that comment of you simply saying, I don't know, I gave it as a gift. Just, just don't comment. Oh man, that's too good. Whew. So, okay. I think it's safe to say the Hamilton Beach quesadilla maker is not putting any pressure on the Lord Jesus for being the greatest gift ever given, okay? Based on just everything we have available, even just online on it. So, um, praise God for that. I'm glad we're not, we're not going to lose to that, all right? Um, so I told you that we are looking at the additional gifts that are poured into your life when you receive the greatest gift of grace through faith in Jesus. Um, these things are not just something that Jesus brings. They flow from who he is. And so if we have him, we have them. And after much prayer and consideration, we're going to look at peace first of all of what we're going to look at. Uh, peace is going to be first this week to hopefully set the tone of our hearts and minds for the rest of this Advent season. Uh, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 to you again as it kind of drills down and comes right to the point of what we're discussing. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. These shepherds were allowed to witness a heavenly host of angels declaring glory to God and peace to men as a result of Jesus' birth. What an inspiring experience that must have been. But I think we should ask ourselves, why? Why of all the things the angels could have said, did they say peace among men? How does the birth of Christ practically bring peace to mankind? The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, of which step one was his birth, brings us peace in at least three ways. The first and the most important is peace with God. Peace with God. I'm going to read you uh, a portion of Romans 5. This is verses 6 through 11. Don't try to turn there. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. See, many people don't understand that they need peace with God. They've been fed a lie that God can be defined by them, that his holiness is not objective and absolute, but that God will mold and shape to our preferences. This passage makes clear that there is no neutral ground with God. You are either with him or against him, and peace with him only comes one way. 
Let me read you verses 8 through 10 again. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. You see here, we're described as enemies that need to be reconciled to God through Christ. You're not standing in a neutral place. If you are not surrendered to the Lord Jesus, then you are in opposition to him. And that's not a place you want to be. Let me try to paint a picture. Use your imagination with me as we think about this. Uh, have any of you ever seen a show um, or a movie about ancient battles? Okay, Braveheart comes to mind. There's, there's others. There would often be two large forces facing each other. And when the leaders said go, basically, they would run to the middle and start massacring one another. Now, sometimes wise leaders would meet in the middle before the battle got started, and they would discuss terms for avoiding the bloodshed. And most of the time, uh, after everyone got a look at the strength of each army, the king with the weaker army would start making concessions about how to avoid this fight. Now, in certain honor cultures and places like that, maybe they wouldn't back down and they would just send their men in and hope for the best. But oftentimes, the guy that once everyone lines up and you found out, mm, I think we might lose this one, you'd be very incentivized when you came to the middle to talk to that other king to come to some solution that means we don't have to have this battle. But with you and I and Jesus, it's, it's different. You see, you as the leader of your own little kingdom, you have no army behind you. You stand alone on that battlefield against the Lord's forces, which are indescribably mighty and have no chance of losing against any enemy. But when you meet Jesus in the middle to discuss terms, he doesn't intimidate or belittle you. He stretches out his hands and shows you his wounds and says, I already shed my blood. There doesn't need to be any more blood shed. There doesn't have to be a fight here. I love you, and I want you to come be a part of my kingdom, which is where you were made to be anyways. The question, friends, is why in the world would we not joyfully and thankfully bow our knee to that king? The reality is, any person who truly sees the situation for what it is, would. And that is why we must continue to speak truth in love to all who still believe they are a better ruler of their own life than Jesus. The birth of Christ opened a path towards peace with God. And for that I praise God. The second way is the birth of Christ opens up a path for peace with one another. I'm going to read you Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. So he's talking to those that were uncircumcised. That would be the Gentiles, not those of Jewish heritage. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father." So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The person and work of Jesus leaves us no excuses, none, to not live in peace with one another. These verses tell us that our purpose and our destiny is divinely intertwined as a result of Jesus decimating every false barrier, you know, like race and creed and age and income, all those barriers that we try to set up and hide behind. It says that Jesus destroyed that dividing wall. Here it was talking about the circumcision and the uncircumcision, those within the descendants of Abraham and those that would have been considered Gentiles. There was a separation between them by race and by culture and by heritage. The gospel came and smashed that into dust, and it's still doing that today. It should be. It should be. The path has been cleared for peace amongst God's people. In case you weren't convinced the first time I read it, let me read this shorter portion to you again. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, God's family. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together to a dwelling of God in the Spirit. How can we accomplish this vision God has of God's people coming together, being fitted together so tightly and in such unison that we are one building, one temple with one purpose set aside for God's glory? And God's purposes in the earth to be accomplished. How do we do that if we are not at peace with one another? In our hearts, in our minds, in our actions. If we're not doing what Ephesians says elsewhere, working towards that peace. Caring about it, praying for it. Having our hearts broken when it is not manifest in the full beauty that God sees it in. You see, the gospel makes it possible for that. That every wall we would put up that would divide us from other people who have trusted in Christ, every single wall that of comfort or uh, preference that we would try to put up dividing ourselves, the gospel comes and lays waste to those over and over again. I'm thankful the gospel is a wrecking ball that can take down the foolishness that we tend to construct. 
We're not supposed to be building walls in between one another. We are supposed to be joining together to be a wall, (laughs) to be built upon the cornerstone, which is Christ, building a holy temple for God. This is just one way the Bible describes what it looks like for us to come together with one purpose, to accomplish the goal of bringing the gospel to the world, of making disciples, that we are being fitted together, built together into this holy structure that brings God glory. The whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Praise God. Jesus did not only make a way for peace with God, but also peace with one another. The third way is peace within ourselves. I'm going to read you Philippians. This is chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding and transcends all comprehension, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? The peace of God. It's the peace of God. Now this this verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This is as much an invitation as it is a command. Here we see that because of Christ Jesus, we can live free of anxiety and the worries that so often plague us. And I would just invite each one of you to let your imagination wander. Let yourself imagine what it would look like to embrace fully and completely this invitation. To be anxious for nothing, but for your trust in God's sovereignty and the faithfulness of his promises to cause you to be unable to be rattled by the difficulties of the world. Just imagine in your mind's eye what it would be like when the things that normally set you off, when the things that normally cause you to start to tailspin, to panic, if those things did not have that same heart-gripping effect, what would that be like? Let yourself imagine it and then begin to pray for that by faith, knowing that God has invited you to that. This is a command, but it's also an invitation. And God does not invite us to or command us to do anything that's not possible by faith. Now, we need to be careful to say, in our day and age, there is, uh, medically, they've chosen the word anxiety to describe certain conditions, and that's not necessarily what we're talking about. There is healing for all things uh, underneath the power of the blood of Christ. However, we're not talking about physical symptoms that may arise that in the medical community we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about a conscious decision that you're presented with a difficult situation, and you've got two roads you can take. You can take a road that leads you into that emotional tailspin, the panic, the anxiety, or you can choose to trust God, knowing that, yes, this is real and this is difficult. However, God is big and he is faithful and he has promised to be with me. That's what we're talking about. Imagine. Are we going to get that perfect? No. We still stumble and we still falter in the frailty of our flesh. However, just imagine. Maybe you can't imagine being anxious for nothing And in every situation, but imagine half the situations. (laughs) Imagine what it would look like for us to grow in this ability to not be rocked by the difficulties of this life, to not be sent into anxiousness. 
It's beautiful. It's not only beautiful for us, it's not only freedom for us, but it reflects to the world the beautiful faithfulness of our God. Because that is abnormal. It is supernatural to not just react to the pressure points of this life. I think we should acknowledge and we should say that this season, the Advent season, some call it the holiday season, it can be anxiety-inducing for many people and for many reasons. Sometimes brokenness in family situations makes this time of year very difficult as people feel especially isolated or alone as a result of that and the fact that this is a time of year where people talk about families and gathering and all of that. Uh, The first thing I would just submit to us is, is that we read something earlier that can set us free from feeling that sense of isolation or being alone as a result of family tension and trouble. I'm going back to the verses from before. I'm back in Ephesians where it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Why? Because of Christ. Because of what he's done in shedding his blood. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Some translations will say, of God's family. Guys, this is, this is real. This is not just church, Christianese, nice stuff to say. The way God sees it, when you meet him in that center and you realize what the situation really is and you bow that knee to that good and perfect king, when you do that, you're not just coming into a kingdom, you're coming into a family. By faith, you are leaving the kingdom of darkness. You're leaving that loner sense of being isolated and doing your own thing and you're coming into a family, a family that is at its head has a father who is perfectly loving and perfectly capable of keeping his family together. Does that mean there's never any squabbles in that family? No, because there's still people in that family. But we have the ability by the grace of God and by the power of his Holy Spirit to work through those things and to understand that we are eternally bound by the blood of Christ and our squabbles don't change that. There's a security in that, friends. There's a confidence that comes in that. Even if your biological family is broken, you never, ever have to believe the lie that you are alone. Earthly families will mean much less in eternity as the full radiant beauty of our inclusion in God's family is finally able to be seen. If you are dreading being alone this Advent season, We, here at Love City Church, we will be heartbroken as a church family if you don't reach out and give us the chance to bring you close, to love you, and include you. Amen. Please be at peace in your heart and mind knowing that you are loved, you are accepted, and here's the key, you are wanted. You're wanted. You're not tolerated, you are wanted. Because you might say, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know my track record. You don't know how difficult I can be. We probably know better than you think we do, (laughs) right? Um, But here's the beauty of what the gospel does. The gospel means that doesn't matter because that doesn't mean we have a bunch of people that think they're perfect and they're willing to 
Well, yeah, come on in. Yes, okay, yeah, we'll tolerate you. The gospel makes all of us realize that we are imperfect and we are all in our own way in shambles. We are all in our own way struggling to fight through our sinful propensities. We, are all, we all have our issues. We don't have to hide. We can tell the truth about that because we know, yes, we do struggle with sin, but yes, we are perfectly loved and we are justified in Christ. We don't have to try to put a veneer over this whole thing or wear a mask. And so that means we're not going to have to look down on you because we're trying to prove to everybody that we got it all together. You're not, you're not going to be some special case of brokenness that we're going to have to tolerate or it's going to be a charity case. You are wanted, not just accepted and tolerated. So let me say again, we will be heartbroken if we find out that you are dreading feeling alone or isolated during this Advent season and you don't reach out and give us the chance to draw you in. Because that's what we're going to do if you give us a shot. If you're a part of a community group, talk to them. If you're not, let somebody know. Fill out a Connect card. It can be anonymous. Let us know. Somebody is going to have you over and get you in close and make you come in and be a part of their family because the, the walls that used to divide, countries, states, families even, those got destroyed by the gospel. You are in the family if your trust is in Christ. You are loved, you're accepted, and you're wanted. You'll never just be tolerated. You may have a bunch of work to do to get to believe that. I'm just telling you how we're going to see it. I realize some of you have a very vicious cycle in your head that, that would say to you, yeah, I hear what he's saying, but he doesn't know about the past experiences I've had, or he doesn't know how awkward I make social situations. Uh, whatever it is you believe about yourself, we don't care. If, if, you, if you have the ability to turn a perfect Hallmark Christmas into an awkward situation, just bring it on. We'll find some way to laugh at it. It'll be okay. We're going to love you through it. The reality is you, you aren't as bad or as difficult or as worthless as maybe you've come to believe. And I, I realize maybe other people have reinforced uh, that inner monologue you struggle with. But dear friends, I'm just trying to tell you how the people of God, because of the grace of God, are supposed to think about it and how we're going to uh, approach it. Okay? We love you. For some, there is anxiety about finances um, and whether or not they will be able to give others good gifts for Christmas. Dear friend, even if you scrape up the cash for the quesadilla maker, you're just putting someone in the awkward spot of pretending they like it. Okay? Now, <laughs> well, there's probably a percentage of you in here. I hope nobody's already been on their phone on Amazon looking at the quesadilla maker yet, since I'm still preaching God's word here. But I know some of you took a note. So maybe you know somebody that if they opened the quesadilla maker, the, the, the light in their eyes would be real. Okay, I can't, I can't say that for sure. But probably not most. And, and, and most of us know we don't need more stuff. Most of us know that we're struggling more with... Uh, having storage areas in the places that we live that aren't full of stuff we don't need than we are a lot of other problems. And so, um, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, but, but really, truly, very few people would prefer more stuff over intentional time spent 
with them or some act of uh, sacrificial service performed. Uh, man, quesadilla maker or offer to hang out with somebody's kids so that they can spend some time together as a couple or offer to come over and help them whatever. Or, you know, like I, that, I would take that a hundred times over the quesadilla maker. And I like quesadillas, um, especially restaurant quality ones. You know what I mean? Um, but here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's, here's what I'm pushing you towards. Please don't get caught up in the consumeristic garbage that has stolen so much of the beauty of what we are really celebrating during Advent. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please be at peace that whatever way you find to bless people and give of yourself this season will be enough. It'll be enough. Because if these are people that you really love and they hopefully really love you, your love and presence and your presence that ends with a C, not a T, just you being there is going to matter much more to them than whatever thing you got them. That's going to be true a high degree of the time. Um, and if you, I guess if you've got somebody that would prefer the quesadilla maker over time with you, maybe bump them off the list. I don't know, you know? Maybe that's a good winnowing fork. <laughs> We're going to distance ourselves on that relationship. Or pray for them if you want to do better than I just suggested. That's fine too. Um, <laughs> right? There are, there are a myriad of situations that could make people feel anxious because it seems like suffering is stealing the joy of the season. Illness, family issues, financial problems, and, and other struggles that we have no control over can make us feel pressured to try to make everything perfect this time of year like it should be. The last part, the air quotes part, like it should be, that's where we get all jumbled up, friends. Jesus taught us better than that, but we need reminded very often. John 16, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The beauty of the Advent season is not crafting some flawless image of perfection. It is enjoying the peace that comes in knowing Jesus is with us in all the pain and imperfection. Can I say that one more time? Because I think we may need to hear it twice to believe it. Because a lot of times you're going to feel pressure to try to get everything just so to feel normal. Friends, Jesus said normal is you will have trouble in this world. But take heart because I've overcome the world. He says in me, in me you may have peace. And can I just say to you as well, please quit scrambling, digging, going left and right, looking for peace somewhere else. Because friends, you won't find it. You just be tired. There's one place that true, abiding, real, deep peace exists. And that is in close proximity and relationship to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The beauty 
of the Advent season is not crafting some flawless image of perfection. It is enjoying the peace that comes in knowing Jesus is with us in all the pain and imperfection. Hallelujah. Take heart, my friends, and may we be a people who walk in the peace of Christ this Advent season. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for peace. We thank you for the promise of peace. We thank you that your word is soaked in promises about your peace. Thank you that those angels, as they appeared to those shepherds, of all the things they could have said, they said, glory to God and peace among men. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of any storm, any trial, any difficulty, no matter how out of control we feel things are, we can have peace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for not lying to us. Thank you for telling us straight up just like it is every time. Thank you for not sugarcoating anything. You told us in this world we will have trouble, but you said we can have your peace. You said you'll be with us. You'll keep us. We'll be safe. God, may we trust what you've said. Lord, we are prone we're, we're prone to believing things our eyes see and our ears hear. We're, we're prone to being distracted and forgetting your truth. God, help us. Help us not try to craft some flawless image this Advent season. Help us not be anxious about family gatherings and if they're going to go off without a hitch and, and be perfect. God, I pray for every woman that's going to host a gathering during this Advent season that feels the pressure to have her home perfect and have the meal perfect and have everything perfect. God, may they rest in the fact that this world is broken. It's not going to be perfect because there's people there. And may their focus be upon you, Lord. May you put an anointing upon every person that's going to be hosting, attending events. God, may they be more like Mary than Martha. May they see, God, the beauty of focusing on you instead of focusing on details of things that don't really matter. God, I, I thank you that we can balance that with being hospitable and welcoming people into our spaces and serving good food, all of that. None of that is bad. None of that's a distraction. You've called us to that, but God, help us not lose the balance. Help us walk the gospel middle. Help us keep our eyes upon you. Lord, may your peace reign in the hearts and minds of every person that's a part of this church. We thank you, Lord, that we can bring these prayers. We thank you, Lord, that even if there are many reasons right now that we are tempted to be anxious, we can bring these prayers, these supplications, with thanksgiving, we can bring these. We can know that you hear them. And we thank you that you said the peace of God, your peace, it'll guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, we ask for your peace to guard us because we are fickle and we are prone to walk away from your peace, to embrace anxiousness and worry. God, we want to walk in your peace, not just for the freedom it gives us, but because that's part of how we live as a light, as a city on a hill, as salt in the earth. God, may we share your peace with all those we come in contact with. We love you. We worship you. And we thank you that these things are true. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, 
but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.